part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 176. First off, guys, I want to thank you so much. Last night's episode with Mark Sessler, obviously from uh, you know the Round the NFL podcast uh, from NFL Network. It is doing incredible numbers. Uh, easily going to go down as the most downloaded show in 24 hours. Will be the top show. Uh, Mark was fantastic to talk to. Uh, and the coolest thing about that, guys, is you guys helped set that up. I had a listener request him. I knew Mark. I followed his work. Never had an interaction with him. Mark jumped in, reacted to it, you know, said he'd be willing to come on. Bing, bang, boom. This is what I'm telling you guys. That's why I keep the Locked On Browns account as a follow-back account. Uh, you know, you you know, you know, guys can help make this show as good as you want it to be. And there was an instant, and the you know, guy at NFL Network, you know, obviously a big social media following. We were able to get him on here. we got a bunch more great guests coming on, obviously, between now and April 26th. Personally, one of my favorites again back this evening. Uh, we got him going in to Indianapolis on the Combine. We got him now that he's out of there. From Browns Wire, Texans Wire, Real GM, does some radio out in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Mr. Jeff Risden. Jeff, buddy, how you been? It's great to finally be back home in the Grand Rapids area and not uh, not living in a hotel room in, in Indianapolis for a while. As much as I enjoyed going down there and traveling and, and seeing all kinds of people, uh, it's nice to be home, too. Yeah, uh, you know, and the other thing is, is you know, there's so many guys there. I mean, I'm assuming the normal rules of etiquette and showering and deodorant and proper cologne is probably thrown out the window a little bit. Uh, a little bit. I actually had roommates uh, throughout the combine, which was unusual for me. Normally, I, normally I get a room to myself, but this time I was, I was nice to let a couple people crash with me. So I had to, had to wear pants more than I like to. But uh, that happens. Sons of bitches. How well? Um, <laughs> we're gonna go right into it. Uh, look, you know, I, I think a lot of things got cemented, you know, a lot of guys, you know, which we thought were going to do well, did did well, you know, I took a couple of L's this weekend, look, we all take a couple of L's, it was nice of you to get me that Alden Tate picture faster to my social media account than he ran the 40, so I appreciate you for that. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, buddy. Yeah, hey, look, for what, he, for what he is and what I think he can be in the NFL, I don't think it changes too much, but, uh, you know, definitely, you know, certainly didn't help himself, but only hurt himself. Um, we're going to go to this one, and I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to start here, but I have to. This nonsense now, and now there's Vegas lines. Saquon Barkley, number one overall. My good Lord, what can we do to make this stop? I mean, and it's not a thing on Saquon, and I understand you have a good offensive line, but for 20 years you've been trying to find a quarterback. Now you have a class where there's a bunch of them, and just going to ignore it? I, I, I don't get it, Jeff. Um, now, now, I... This is nothing against Saquon Barkley, and I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm speaking for you on that as well. We love the kid. He's not the number one pick in this draft. Um, he might he might at the end of time be be the number one player from this draft, but you can't take a running back number one. You just can't. It doesn't matter if you guaranteed me that he was going to have Adrian Peterson cross with Le'Veon Bell's NFL career. He's still not the number one pick in this draft. Because if you don't have a quarterback, that guy isn't going to be that guy. And they don't have that guy at quarterback right now. And they need it. You've got the number one pick. You've got a class that people have been talking about for two years as being this transcendent talent pool. I think it's overhyped. But at the same time, Josh Rosen's really good. Sam Darnold's really good. I think Baker Mayfield can be a a really good NFL quarterback. even even the next tier of guys, there's some guys in there that are better than a lot of guys that have played in, in the Browns' pantheon of losing. 
so <laughs> you've got to do it. If you don't have a quarterback, you do not have a chance in this league. Browns do not have a quarterback. You've got a chance to get it. You have to go for it. You cannot pass a quarterback. If you don't take a quarterback at number one, what are you What are you saying to the guy that you're getting at number four? Well, we, 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 we thought you're good, but we like somebody else better than you. How, how is that going to inspire confidence in a quarterback, a position where it's obvious that confidence matters? Because, like, go back in Brown's time a little bit. Jeff Garcia was a decent NFL quarterback, primarily because he had confidence in himself, and he was able to engender that confidence from his teammates. Uh, a lot of a lot of hate of him too because he was a bit of a, 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 a let's say a difficult person to get along with. But uh, Jake Delhomme, the same kind of guy, had that swagger, he had that confidence in himself uh, that that made him better than what he was. The, if you don't have that with quarterback, and you're not going to get that by by passing over them and saying, oh well, well now you're my second choice. That's not how you handle it. That's that's how bad teams stay bad. And I, I, I sincerely hope that the Browns don't do that. It, it, it makes no sense, and that's the first things first, is is even if you're looking at three quarterbacks and everybody, oh, well, if they have them all graded similarly. No, at the end of the day, you know who your guy is. So you take your guy, um, you know, if you're out with a couple of buddies, do you, you know, do you want to go get the most beautiful girl? Yeah, you do. So, you know, oh, you know what, guys? You know, yeah, you pick the one you want. Uh, you know, whoever's left, whatever, you know. I'll just marry that girl. I'll just date that girl because I'll let you guys pick instead of me. Yeah, I... You don't do that when you're running a business, man. It just doesn't work that way. So Quan Barkley's a fantastic thing. And I understand with the where Gurley excelled where he was drafted. Elliott excelled where he's drafted. Um, and then obviously, you know, Leonard Fournette, you know, Jacksonville was changing their entire style of football, and he was the guy they pinpointed as they could help them do that. And let's also keep in mind, though, with Todd Gurley, 18 months ago, people were ready to write him off when L.A. kind of fell off the map. So just because he, you think he is a fantastic running back, which he absolutely is. And the other thing is, is do you want to spend his first 700 NFL carries on a game that's not even going to be involve a winning record? Because you're not going to go from 1-31, 0-16, to 9-7 by drafting Saquon Barkley at number one. No, you're not. That, that's a good point. And, and I would focus back, even though those guys are, are very good, Gurley's a great example because he did not have a quarterback that one year, and it showed. He, he looked very pedestrian. Uh, Jared Goff finally picked it up in his second year, and look what happened. They got an offensive coordinator who knew what was going on. They had a, an innovative coach who played to the strengths of his players. Does that sound like Hugh Jackson to you, to anybody? Really? You're, you're going you're gonna to trust that Hugh Jackson's going to use Saquon Barkley properly? Yeah, good luck with that. And in the first game, of course, when the kid you know has 11 carries for 37 yards, yeah, you, know, you know what the press conference will be afterwards, and you know how the running game needs to get going, and we'll just piss all over the guy we just drafted one overall because it's easier to throw people under the bus than it is to coach them up. But as far as workouts, that's, cer- that's certainly true in Cleveland. Exactly. I mean, it's the mo. I mean, it's that obvious. And you know, it guys, is, look, yeah. it's great. You know, we're not going to get on this tonight, but it's great with all this free agent money. But just keep one thing in mind: you're selling a terrible coach at a one in thirty-one record to, and I believe at last count there were nine other teams with sixty million dollars in cap space. So guys, you, you get excited, but you know, you know, I, I would definitely you know proceed with some caution with your excitement as far as that is. Um, Jeff, as far as the quarterbacks, uh, you know, we'll go there first. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone's always going to spin their narrative. Look, Josh Allen looked good. I'm, I'm totally confident in saying that. And this is a setting where Josh Allen should look good. That being said, I think everybody except for Lamar Jackson did look good. Lamar Jackson was struggling, and I think this is kind of, it wasn't a scenario, and it has nothing to do with the agency or how he's being prepped for this. 
you know, Lamar Jackson is a helter-skelter game player. To put him in something, you know, as simple as this and robotic, like, he was never going to look that fantastic. No, it was a rough weekend for him, and he's not been helped by his representation or lack thereof. Uh, I'm, I'm still not sure if he actually has an agent or not. And, and how he handled um, the, the, the prospects of, you know, are you going to run? Um, and and he, the reason that he gave for not running was because he, he thought that it would lend credence for people who would see him as a receiver. And while I understand that, and I and he's, he's certainly not a receiver, he's definitely a quarterback, I think his flaws as a passer and as a quarterback were magnified in, in the situation that he was in. He didn't have any familiarity with the receivers. He's not a great anticipatory thrower. He's not necessarily a great passer at, at standing in a pocket and delivering. He's one of those guys that likes to have a little bit of chaos going on around him. Didn't have that in the combat. You don't have, you don't have defensive backs. You don't have you no know, rushers or anything coming at you. So it was, it was tough for him. Uh, I, I thought he was, I hate to say the, the word loser because it's not fair to him, but he did not do much for himself relative to other people, and that includes Josh Allen, who I thought threw the ball very impressively. Uh, he still needs to learn that that not every pass can be thrown at 90 miles an hour, but if you think back to, and you're old enough to remember this, Jeff, when John Elway first came out, that's what he did. Every single throw was maximum velocity, even if it was a screen pass you know, to, to yeah. a guy five feet away from him. Uh, you, that can be taught. And I was happy to see that Josh Allen has worked on his mechanics a little bit where his feet are always in line with his target because they're not pointing away. That can only help his accuracy. I'm still quite skeptical. He's not going to be any higher than quarterback number eight on my board, and he will not be in my overall top 100. But at the same time, I'm starting to see more reason why people are enamored with him because, my God, he has a a rocket launcher of a right arm. It's really cool to watch him throw. And he seems like a great guy. Uh, I, I only caught a little bit of his interview session. Uh, I did not ask whether he, he had been asked if he could play tight end. I, 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 I wussed out on it. Sorry. I was going to, too. I had every intention to do it. Um, but for, first off, I wound up talking. Um, he was on at the same time as Lamar Jackson, so I wound up being in front of Jackson for a while, too. Uh, you know, I, I liked what he did. And, and, and by God, I'm, I'm going to root for the kid just to spite all the people like myself, who uh, think that he has no chance because I, I want to see guys succeed. and uh, it, it, so it was a very good weekend for Josh Allen. I'm still not a believer. I'm not going to buy stock. But at the same time, I, I, I get why you all like him. Well, the thing is, is you know, I mean, you know, everybody, oh, well, development. It's a nice term to use, but it doesn't work that way in the NFL. You're not bringing him in as a redshirt freshman and saying, you want to know what? A year and a half, we may have something. There's too much pressure. There's too much fan, you know, pounding down your throat. Whether it's your owner, well, we picked this kid this high. I want to see the return. There's just too much going into it. If you could just keep him as a here's a guy that could go late first round or second round. If you spoke that way of it, it makes more sense than to have it force fed down. You know, here's a guy, you know, played in the Mountain West Conference, had 12 games in his career where he threw for less than 200 yards. You know, there's got to be production. There's got to be accuracy. Those things, you know, you can't just assume they're going to come because a lot of times they don't. But he did have a great weekend. And, look, he, he fits the bill. I mean, you know, you gave somebody a pen and paper. He's what you're looking for. But, you know, you know, I kind of give the baseball equation here. You can't make him a closer if he's a pitcher. He's got to be a starting pitcher. 
He's got to be able to do it all. He's got to be able to throw the change up the screen passes. He's got to be able to rip it when he's got to rip it. He can't just have one role. You don't have one quarterback just waiting at the end of the half or the end of the game to throw your Hail Mary. You can't do that. He's got to be able to do all these things. Defensive coordinators will feast on the fact that they can find flaws in his game, and they will scheme around it. He's a project. He needs to be you know, treated as such. Uh, sticking here, I want to go with uh, wide receivers. Uh, Calvin Ridley, everything was great. He did not jump well. I, I don't think that really should surprise anyone, but I think that combined with his age is now giving some people some hesitation. But I, you know, I kind of always viewed him as a ground guy. I don't think he's this, you know, acrobatic guy. He's a complete opposite of Alden Tate in that respect, where that's all his game. But I, I don't think it should change Ridley that much. But if you want to say a DJ Moore and a couple of guys due to age and the fact that they are very much more athletic, are they going to probably go ahead of him? I can understand that. If you tell me now I got to take DJ Moore or I got to take Calvin Ridley, one's going to be 24, one's going to be 21. One's the better athlete, has better, you know, has better to equal production. And, you know, I've got to take a guy like DJ Moore over Calvin Ridley. Yeah, and I would interject the, the name Cortland Sutton into that conversation as well. Yep. He ran faster than I thought he would. He ran 4-5-5. Five, five. Uh, my my over-under on him was 4-6. He he's really blew that away. He was so fun in the interviews, Jeff. This was a guy who gets it. You know, he, he, was, he was, you know, you could tell that he'd done, like, homework on, on the questions that were going to be asked, but he was also, like, spontaneous and, and quick on his feet. Very likable guy, uh, and he fits the role of what the Browns need as a receiver. That guy can work the middle of the field, can make the first tackler miss, has a huge catch radius, and, and, he, and you know he, he's a guy that can catch inaccurate balls. He wasn't playing with the quarterbacks at SMU, so he understands you know how to to, to catch a throw that's you know a foot behind him and a, a half ball late. I, I love that kid, so I, I, I came away thinking that he probably should be the the number one target for the Browns. With the number thirty-three pick, I don't. I still don't think there's a first-round wide receiver in this class. I've never been that big on Moore or Ridley. They're good players, but I don't think they're transcendent players. I don't think they're more than number two wide receivers in the NFL, and I don't take those guys in the first round. You look at guys like Kevin White, Rashad Perriman. Uh, there's a whole bunch of wide receivers that have been taken a little bit too early uh, and had too much thrust on their plate. Uh, I don't like any of these guys in the first round, but that, the, those second round picks—that's where the Browns should get a wide receiver or two. Uh, and and you know, if Ridley falls, and I don't think that'll happen, but if Morris there, if Sutton's there, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing them double up at thirty-three and thirty-five with those guys. Well, I mean, the problem is, is you, and we've discussed this. You need insurance policies on Josh Gordon. You need one on Corey Coleman. One for injuries. Yes, you do. One because he's the biggest risk it is, and it can't be Bryce Treggs. It can't be Sammy Coates. You need real options out there. And the fact that it's going to be another quarter, young young quarterback brought in here, whether they do keep Deshaun Kaiser, these guys need to be familiar with the guys around them. You can't just keep resigning, you know, signing a receiver off the street each week, week in, week out. So, you know, that being said, but uh, guys, you were listening to Lockdown Browns episode one seventy six with Jeff Risden. Guys, if you're following along on the Megaphone app here, now's a good time. Spotify, iTunes, whatever your preference is, go ahead to uh, subscribe to the show. Leave a five star review. Could not be more thankful. Now, Jeff, this one's going to warm your hearts, obviously. We'll go to the tight end here. Uh, out of New Jersey, out of Penn State, Mike Izecki. Monster. Monster. I, I knew he was going to be athletic. I mean, you know that from the background that he has. But, I mean, he was a guy, and, you know, Pete Smith has been on this, and I'll give you this, Pete. He tested better than Saquon Barkley. That's, that is saying a lot. Oh, well, if you look at his total thing, they, they did a graphic from, from the NFL. 
He's taller than Calvin Johnson. He's faster than, I don't remember who. He did more bench presses than Donald Penn. He had a shorter, a better, faster, you know, shuttle time than I think, I think it was Golden Tate that they used. Just ridiculous athlete. 41.5 inch vertical. Um, as you know, I love him because he happened to be a high school volleyball star, uh, and I was a volleyball player myself. So he certainly endeared himself to me. He's got the right kind of cockiness to him, too. Uh, I, I stood in front of his interview for a long time. In fact, I still have, have to download it from my phone because it's still on there. He's a guy that... He, this is a guy, if you're taking him as a tight end and you're asking him to be in line and block, you're an idiot. He is an outside wide receiver. <laughs> yes, exactly. This guy, I love, I love him to Cleveland. Uh, even with David Njoku, and even if you keep Seth DeValve around, and I think he, he should because he's a solid player too. If you're if you're labeling him just as a tight end, you're doing him and yourself a disservice. Gesicki can be an outside receiver who can go down the field, make plays outside the numbers. Where he's going to kill it is in the red zone. He's a massive target. He he's got the best vertical leap of anybody there, and he, he's one of those guys. And I'll say this from playing volleyball, you. A lot of times you hit, you don't get your feet under you to jump high. You know you have to jump from odd angles or anything. Volleyball teaches you that. So if he's coming off and he like gets bumped or something, he's going to be able to adjust to that. And the body control that you need to to stick your feet down in volleyball, it, it, it's a great teaching tool for him. I love the guy. Yes, I am a little bit partial to him because of the volleyball background, but at the same time, he's a great prospect. Uh, don't ask him to block, and he sort of admitted it. He's like, you know that. I was a wide receiver three years ago. I didn't really ever have to block until, you know, other than, like, cut blocking on the edge. So it's still a work in progress for me. I'm willing to learn. Uh, I, I like the idea of having him be the, that match that matchup disadvantage. You know, Njoku can play in the slot. He can play a little bit in line and chip and release. You can do that with the two tight ends. Uh, Patriots seem to do that pretty well. Eagles seem to do that pretty well. <laughs> the Chiefs seem to do that pretty well. Good teams seem to do that pretty well. Let's see if the Browns can do that. I, I'm all for that. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it floods them with a ton of options. Uh, and, you know, the workout was ridiculous. And the thing is, is you know, he should go in the first round. If he slides anywhere, you know, after that, you're foolish not to do it because, you know, he brings everything to the table. Um, you know, the blocking thing, look, that doesn't exist. I mean, these tight ends, they just don't really block in college anymore. And the other thing is, is the guys they're blocking against aren't the guys they're going to compete against in the NFL. So even if they do have a good blocking background, they're still going to have to work on it to get to the NFL because the guys are just that much quicker, that much bigger, that much faster, that much stronger. It's just the way it goes. You receive, you'll get playing time. Uh, I like that you brought up the wide receiver aspect. I, I think, you know, obviously bigger, stronger, faster than Evan Ingram, but I think, you know, and you saw at the end of the year, you know, Giants had no choice, but you had Evan Ingram. All right, well, you just play wide receiver because you can do that too. It's weird that we're at this point now because, you know, the tight end position was basically a glorified lineman, you know, 25 years ago. But that's the way the position has come to now. Jason Witten, Antonio Gates, you know, they've got these these legions of guys who wanted to grow up and be players like them. And you see what the athletes were getting. Uh, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, one thing I've kind of been on for a while is I do like Bradley Chubb as a player. I think he's a fantastic player. But I think it's too many times it's Bradley Chubb to do, 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 cue the Jeopardy music. Oh, well, and Harold Landry's not too bad. I think Harold Landry is a phenomenal player. Obviously, he was injured this year. Took you know, can take some bumps, get forgotten for that. His 16 tape was ridiculous, and he rebounded this weekend. In I wasn't really expecting him to work out this well, 
but he really blew it out of the water. He did. He's, he's a very good player. I actually <laughs> saw him in person in 2016. I was at their bowl game, too, uh, where I also happened to see DJ Moore uh, from Maryland. So that go. was a fun game. The, the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit was, was a good one that year. Uh, I, I like the guy quite a bit. Uh, and he's, like you said, he's injured, and I think that caused a lot of people to sort of you know, look at him in a different way. Uh, he is not Chubb. Uh, I do think Chubb is better, and I, I think Chubb is more fit for a Greg Williams-style defense as well. Where I really like Harold Landry is as a sort of hybrid end uh, in, in that mold of like a Cliff Averill or, or a guy, um, uh, he's, he's not the same type of player. A guy like Connor Barwin or even go back in the day to Kevin Green, a guy like that who can stand up and, and you know play off the ball standing up and, and you know chuck the tight end and then get, get out into space, but also a guy who can put a hand in the dirt and rush forward if you need him to. He can do either of those things. Uh, that that's not necessarily a Greg Williams thing. That's more of a four three three four hybrid type thing. Uh, so I, I like him quite a bit in that capacity. Uh, four is a little rich for my blood for him, but uh, I'll shamelessly promote this now. I'm writing why Bradley Chubb needs to be a strong consideration at number four for the Cleveland Browns uh, for Brownswire. It'll be up in the morning, uh, and I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And I, I I'm going to try to convince a lot of people that uh, that that might be a viable way to because I'll tell you this. I heard it from a Brown source down there. You better believe they're looking at it. I don't know if it'll happen or not, and he didn't know if it'll happen or not, but it's something that they're definitely considering. Um, yeah, definitely interesting from that standpoint. And look, keep all avenues open. And the other thing is, is um, you know, I, I was very much against still just draft one and four. You know, t- take your two top guys. I, you know, I'll take my quarterback at one. I wouldn't be opposed to maneuvering from four down if you can't get Chubb and maybe you wanted to get Landry. Or I will bring right. up this name because we did mention him last week. Um, and it was great to see these workout numbers because he's a guy I love. And I know we mentioned him last week. But Jairi Alexander, man, put up some really good drill work and got himself under 4-4. I didn't think he was an under 4-4 guy. But that does just everything to enhance it. And he's a guy now you're probably talking somewhere in the 10-20 to 20 range. Uh, I hope so for <laughs> his sake. Cause he, he, dude, he plays with flair. you got to love the way he, he... He's one of those... He's got that... That Deion Sanders mentality, where if the ball's in the air, it's my ball, and it's not yours, it's mine. And he tries to go and get it, uh, sort of like Deion. He's not a great tackler, but he he, he at least tries. Uh, I I love the guy, and, and he did have a very impressive workout. Uh, I I don't think again this is this as weird as it sounds. The Browns have all these draft picks in the first three rounds. He's sort of a misfit for where he's going to go because I think exactly. you're right. I think he's going to go. I think he's going to go probably like 15 to 25. Now, that, now, if you want to package a couple of picks uh, later on and move back into the third, back in for a third first round pick, you know, the, then he's certainly in play. Or if, if you're playing ball with Buffalo and you know they're giving you 21 and 22 uh, for number four, along with, and they're giving you some other stuff too, then then you certainly consider him there. You know, at four, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll rankle some feathers here. The only defensive back that I'm considering at number four is Derwin James, uh, who was phenomenal in Indianapolis. Cannot express how much he knocked his workout out of the ballpark and put himself back in the conversation as a top five pick. I uh, uh, couldn't agree with you more. Now, moving along with the secondary, obviously we got to see Derwin. We got to see Minka. Uh, Derwin, absolute freak. Uh, Minka, some of the stuff I felt like I was left wanting a little more, but you know, at the end of the day, tested fine, and you know, I will still go with that. Look, if Nick Saban for all of those guys, if he only goes to bat for one or two, 
If he's going to bat for somebody, man, you really, really got to put some you know, pause and hesitation into thinking you know how special the young man is. Oh, he's he's a great player, and I stood in front of his interview podium for a long time. He's he's a guy who who quote unquote gets it as well. He's got that that you know I know I'm good, but I also know that I have to keep working at it. It was interesting to me the, the one of the first actually the first question he was asked was about uh, you know, playing slot corner. And that's not a position that a lot of NFL teams value, and it yep. happens to be the only position on in the secondary right now where the Browns are set because they have my man Body Calhoun there. He said that's his optimal position, uh, and he likes playing it because it, it combines the, the best traits of what he does well as a corner and what he does well as a safety. And I think he's right. And I, I also think that's going to worry NFL teams because the, the premium corners tend to have to go outside and he he said, you know, I'd, I'd rather play safety than outside corner. Um, he didn't. That that's that's a my interpretation of what he said because he did not say that exactly, but it, it was clear by the tone of his voice and the, the way that he was talking that that's what he was intimating. And you you don't take that guy at number four. That's a guy you take at number eight, number twelve, you know, number fifteen. Uh, although he's not going to fall that far because he's he is a very good athlete and an accomplished football player and does a whole lot of things really, really well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the German talk, guys, he fits less to the Browns than Minka might in some regards. So, you know, guys, Derwin James is a Brown. It just doesn't work. It, it makes no sense. Oh, He's I a, disagree with you, Jeff. I love oh, it. Oh, oh, well, what are I you going to do with him? Uh, I'm putting him in the role, that, the angel role that Peppers played last year, and I'm moving Peppers up to the Kindred role. Okay. But then what are we doing with Kindred? Uh, you can Give trade up. him. He can be your. He, you can be uh, uh, your heavy nickel safety uh, if you go three. If if the other team trots out, you know, a twenty-two package, he can he can play linebacker for you. I I, I think there's ways that you can make that work. Okay. Um, we, yeah. we keep fighting about that some other time as as the process goes on. We certainly <laughs> could. Um, you know, uh, the linebackers. Uh, first things first. Uh, Shaquem Griffin. My God, man. I mean, oh, everything yeah. Everything about the kid y- y- you love to begin with. And look, I'll take him sight unseen. I didn't need to see a drop of testing. Just because, you know, a, a coach always wants one guy in the locker room to say, you want to know what? You know, the old Rudy thing. You had an ounce of what that kid's got in you. You'd be a goddamn All-American. But you go and put up 20 reps when you're doing it with prosthetic. You run a 4-3-8. And some people, oh, well, the second one was a 4-5-8. You don't fake a 4-3-8. You can have a crappy run that gets you to a four five eight. You don't fake four three eight, man. There's just no way around it. Oh, it was phenomenal. You know, being being in the media room and, and everybody dropped what they were doing when that got announced, and then they showed it again quickly, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah." It, it's hard to find players that are so universally respected and liked by everybody, and he is. And it's not just the fact that he only has one hand. He's got uh, the the way he he inspires teammates, and he's so relentlessly positive about everything. And maybe maybe that's a function of only having one hand and, and him accomplishing what he's done. But that that takes away from you know just how much he the players there loved him too. It, it was clearly you know he was the center of attention. You know the the guy that everybody wanted to be around. I, I will say this, and it will sound poor. It reminded me of Tim Tebow at the Senior Bowl a few years ago when everybody's like. Oh yeah, this 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 is the show. Let's be a part of the show. Um, and and Tebow handled that well, and I, I also thought Griffin handled it very well. He he's not uncomfortable being who he is and and going for what he's going for. And I think that's really cool. 
I, I hope he winds up getting drafted on the second day. Uh, it's Now, this is where the actual football part comes in. He was only a dominant player at his position for one year. Now, now some of that is the fact that UCF sort of moved him around. He played safety. He played outside linebacker. You know, wasn't necessarily trusted with, with being, you know, what he could be. But there's not a great track record of film to say that this guy needs to be a top 20 pick. But my goodness, there, there's so much to like with the kid. I, I loved him, and he's going to be a PR team's dream for whatever team drafts him. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much. I mean, there's just it's almost like you know what, just just disregard it. And look, there's going to be times where it comes up, and it's going to be a deficiency in a game tape or a play here and there. But you know exactly what you're getting with this. And uh, it came out today, and you know this is people not doing their homework. Oh, well, he actually only had one official visit with Seattle while he was in Indianapolis. And Pete Smith, God bless you for bringing this one up. You don't need to meet when you've only got a limited amount of visits with Shaquem Griffin. The, the guy is the genuine oh. article. So you want to go meet with an Antonio Callaway before you need to go meet with Shaquem Griffin because, uh, you know, look, dude, uh, you failed weed test. There was an incident with a woman. Uh, you committed some crimes. You don't need to go talk to this guy. He, he, everybody knows what he is. Any Florida team, you can talk to him on a local visit. You can handle your business that way. And the fact that he is a media sensation, uh, I don't think any NFL team's too concerned about him. <laughs> and the fact it's really easy to get any access you need on a guy of that nature. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact that he has a twin brother that plays in Seattle, that, that certainly doesn't hurt his cause. Uh, and, and also would, would let the Seahawks be like, well, we know what we got here, so... No biggie. And you saw Pete Carroll was, you know, he was the main cheerleader for when that 40 went down. Guys, Locked On Browns, episode 176, which originally we were breaking down the offensive side of the ball from the combine, defensive side of the ball from the combine. Uh, take your moment out, guys. Locked On NFL Draft. John Ledier, Trevor Sakema, they do a fantastic job there. Both guys were in Indy. Uh, check out the shows. They should have a ton of info for you guys there from, you know, obviously all the doings that went down over the weekend. Jeff, now you brought up one tidbit, obviously, you know, the, the Bradley Chubb, uh, you know, possibility at four, which, look, uh, you know, we've said this, you know, if you just want to go out and go with the Jacksonville model of, you want to know what, I can have every defensive lineman take two to three snaps and keep bringing in another fresh one, there's nothing wrong with that, and that mold, you know, should have probably gotten Jacksonville to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, so that, but uh, any other tidbits Browns related that you may have picked up over the few days at Indianapolis, some things that we should, you know, a player or two that might not be here, or free agency is coming around the corner. Is there any, you know, tidbits, hints, it's something, you know, that maybe you know, you know, drew your eye? Yeah, what, one of the things that I heard, and I heard it from a couple of different people, and I don't know whether to believe it or not, is that Deshaun Kaiser might be gone. And I, I honestly, I don't know how to feel about that just yet, uh, but. The, the, and the explanation that I got from one person who I sat and talked with for a while about this was that they're going to bring in a free agent quarterback. Uh, I happen to think it's going to be Sam Bradford. That's just my guess. I don't know that. Uh, I, I it, um, And I actually went into a long... I did a, a, a live Twitter video session where I talked about the, the, the A.J. McCarron thing. If you want that, it's on my Twitter feed. Go look at that there um, because I don't want to bore Jeff with it. But... Uh, <laughs> uh, they're going to bring in two quarterbacks who would be above Deshaun Kaiser on the depth chart. That's pretty clear that he's not going to be part of the team in in the long term plans. You know, do, is would he be happy sitting, uh, knowing that he's never going to play here when he has been an NFL starter? Now, granted, he was not up to snuff, but uh, they're they're not. There's no intention of playing him. He's not going to get the developmental reps because if they bring in a veteran to start the year, 
all those developmental reps are going to go to the number one pick, uh, and, and to get him on the field as soon as you can, uh, there, there's just not really a place for him in a league where, where most teams only keep two quarterbacks. So uh, I, I kind of buy that Kaiser could be gone. Uh, again, I don't know if there's a trade market for him or that it just have to write it off. We'll see. I, uh, the one uh, I actually bounced this off people. Um, actually, um, the guys that you mentioned there, John and Trevor, uh, mm-hmm. are two of them. Uh, we went out to dinner. When was that Friday night? And we were talking about scenarios, and and the, the the concept came up that he could be like a trade pot sweetener. You know, like like let's say you're you're trying to move up to Buffalo's pick at number twenty two. Oh, perfect. You, yeah, first team I thought of when you said that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You give them. You know, you give them uh, thirty three. And and instead of giving them thirty six, you give them sixty four and Deshaun Kaiser or something like that. That that that's probably the way that he would leave. But uh, well, we'll see about that. That's fun. Um, if you're an Isaiah Crowell fan, sorry, he won't be back. Uh, I was told he, he if he sees two one six on his phone, he's he's not answering the call. So that's that's that was pretty definitive that that he has no intention of coming back. But I think also you know, think it's mutual. I don't think two one six is sending that phone call. Uh, that that could very well be true too. I, I think that might be just one of those where, you know where you like you divorce and and move on and and find somebody better and, and live a better life and and look back fondly someday that that both of you are better for it. Let's hope that happens. You know I I, I do think they're going to be active in wide receivers. Uh, be it Allen Robinson, I think would would be nice. I was uh, I, I was told there I was told recently uh, when the news I guess it broke Sunday that that there's uh, there there's some smoke there. There really is. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that as well, and I don't. I don't know the extent to which Ellen Robinson will want that because I think he's a guy that he was very frustrated last year that Jacksonville was winning without him. I think he really wants to win right away to prove that, you know, he can be part of that equation. And there, there will be other teams that have not not more money, but equal money for a wide receiver to, to give out that that obviously have a better record than the Browns do because everybody does. <laughs> you know, he but he. You know, there's um, the, the, the sort of the second tier running backs. I, I don't think they're going to be going after the, you know the top guys, but but you know some of the, some of the you know the the later guys that or, or guys that are even cut and and, and floating around. I, I think they'll do. But I, I do think they're using one of their one of their first three picks. Um, and well, actually, the second or the third pick. I do think it will be a running back there. If it's Saquon Barkley at four, I think that's a no brainer. If it's Sony Michelle at 33 or Ronald Jones or Darius Geis, if he's still somehow available there, I, th- I think that's very much in play, and I think that will be your bell cow starting running back. Uh, but but th- you can see them take a, a late, you know, or a, a lesser free agent to fill in there to be the guy between like like whatever rookie running back they have, Duke Johnson, and then Matt Days. You know, th- that that third guy I don't think is on the roster right now. Well, you, I mean, you saw obviously, you know, Chris Ivory was a guy they brought in. There would be a name, right, yeah. you, know, you know, that type of guy. You know, Ivory did end up with Buffalo. Uh, I think the tricky thing, and, it, and it's weird that Allen Robinson is hitting free agency, but I, I'm, you look at what Jacksonville did this year, and this is their mo right now. They're going to throw when they need to throw or have to throw. They want to run. They want to play solid defense. Allen Robinson wants to get paid for the guy he was in 2015. 80-plus receptions, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. Uh, Jacksonville, I don't think they have any thought of having a receiver who's going to put up those kind of numbers. That you know, It's going to be, you know, we run these crossers all day long. I don't need big-name guys to do that. And I don't think you know, Jacksonville has any thought of, you know, oh, well, we need a guy who's going to bring us in 1,400 yards receiving. It's just not the way they're built right now. 
No, it's not. And, and it's it's actually a fair model for the Browns to follow. If you have a mediocre quarterback, we just brought, think, we just, just like we said before with the D line. Yep. Yeah, you, you, you can win if you have that dominant defensive front that can impact the other team's passing game. You can run the ball pretty well. The, the, the Browns already have the line in place to do that. Uh, at least I think they do. I, I think Duke Johnson is a great number two running back and also a guy who can catch passes and line up in the slot and we need him. You know, if, if the other team goes heavy, you walk him out into the slot and, and you've got a mismatch. There's a lot of really intriguing pieces with that. You know, look at... They went to the AFC Championship game and had a real shot of winning that with, with Keelan Cole catching passes from Blake Bortles. Well, I mean, <laughs> because he, the rest yeah. of the team was so dang good. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, they, they built their model, you know, and look, he's going to have a lot of suitors, uh, a guy like him. And it's weird, that's great, you know, and I guess as deep as that 14 class was and that group was so great, yeah, I mean, not everybody's going to end up making it to a second contract with their team. Uh, so you're going to have Robinson out there, Dante Moncrief, we're going to get a couple of these names, uh, Sammy Watkins is going to be another one. Uh, when you have a deeper positional group like that, I guess it's just the way it's going to work out. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Sammy Watkins would interest me, but uh, I think the article that was written, and I guess it came out during the season about November, it seems Sammy Watkins is highly confident that his body is going to do better in a warm place. So Cleveland, uh, if you like Sammy Watkins, I don't even think he'd come into town. Um, you know, I think he thinks that his foot injuries were part of playing in bad weather. So I think that's something he's going to avoid. Um, I guess anything going further here, Jeff, what's the reaction you've gotten from the front office they assembled and the connection with, uh, obviously, with Hugh? It, you know, it, Mark, Sat- Mark Sessler was on last night. He kind of mentioned, for right now, everything seems kind of cozy, and it should during this period because everybody's a bunch of football guys and watching film and scouting guys and grading players. It's something they all enjoy. Is there any talk about, you know, how this is really working as a cohesion? You know, it, it, everybody's still just getting together and getting to know each other. I mean, like like Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, those guys were just brought in. So, the, you know, how much is... And, and Hugh, to his credit, he's a survivor. He understands how to play the game to, to you know, suck up at the right time and, and embrace the right time. You know, if nothing else, he's an exceptional brown noser. So I think this is his time <laughs> of year. That's how he keeps getting jobs. That's why he's still employed. Um, and, and I say that, and it sounds like I'm, I'm ripping him. Uh, that's an admirable quality. I, I, I give him credit for that. I think it's a, I think it's a positive. I, I think for the long-term Browns' future, it's a negative. But, but give him credit for, for doing what he's doing. Yeah, it does seem pretty hunky-dory right now. And I, again, but I think it's everybody's still figuring out their roles. I, I think one of the things that John Dorsey has done is that he has set it up where there are those more defined football roles. I think. We can debate Sashi left and right. One of the failings that Sashi Brown had was that there was never that that structure that football guys felt comfortable under. Uh, it was very non-traditional, uh, and that, that was hard for them to work. Uh, I, I get a feeling that, that the scouting churn might not be over yet. You know, the, the, There's going to be some, some guys that come and go on that, uh, probably between now and, and the beginning of the next scouting season. Uh, but but other than that, it, it does seem like they're they're gonna try to make it work, uh, and I just can't. I don't think it's gonna. Personally, I'm skeptical of it. I, I remember when you tried to blend the, the home grin with the 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 the, the man genius, you know, coming from the Belichick tree. That just didn't work. 
Um, and and in, in one of the other teams that I covered, the Detroit Lions, they tried to have Jim Caldwell work with Bob Quinn, and it, you know, it, they won a lot of games, but it just didn't work, and then they moved on to their own guys. I think that's the way it's going to be, and I, I'll tell you this. A lot of the agents that I talk to think that Hugh is not going to be there long term, and it's going to be very interesting to see how much input Hugh and his staff, and that includes Greg Williams, have on the draft process. Because I think it's probably going to be less than what most coaches expect when when they're dealing with with quote unquote football guys above them. Uh, but we'll see about that. That and that could be a, a a point where you know they realize that hey, we're we're dead men walking. Um, as you know, I am not a huge Jackson fan at all of his coaching style. I think he's overmatched. Uh, I think Greg Williams needs to learn from his mistakes and acknowledge that he actually, in fact, makes mistakes. Uh, that would be great uh, because he certainly doesn't think he does. But you know, there's right now, yeah, it, it, the arrows are all pointing up. You can get excited when you have six or yeah, with six of the first sixty-five picks in the draft. That's that's an exciting opportunity for anybody. And I think they do all desperately want it to work. And no, no GM goes into a situation where I, they want to fire the coach. If they did that, they would have fired him. So, it, yes, they, they will try to make it work. And I believe that they will all you know, try to work together and, and make it a success. But at the same time, there's, there's still every reason for fans to be skeptical about that. Yeah, oh, and there's zero doubt about that. And that's one of the things in, you know, everyone keeps telling me, look, you know, there, there's a lot there to that A.J. McCarron. And look, I pray to God it's not in... Uh, you know, I understand the Hugh connection. You know, just not a fan. That's that's not a road I want to go down. Is the AJ McCarron? No, and, and I'll, I'll I'll go back to. I, I talked about this in the 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 Twitter live thing that I did. I heard a lot of people who suggest that AJ McCarron isn't as interested in playing for the Browns as the Browns are having AJ McCarron play for them because he knows that he wouldn't be a long term solution, and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to get usurped like that. He he wants a, a team that's going to embrace him to be the man long term. The Browns are clearly not that option. Uh, other teams, uh, notably Arizona, might be willing that, to give that's him that. That's the one so. I keep saying. You, you, there's no QB on the roster right now. So right now I walk in on one. All i got to do is keep it. And the other thing is, look, we know A.J. McCarron's kind of pompous. And, you know, you guys are 1-31. Yes, you guys are 1-31. You, th- you think I'm coming to you? You know, yeah, I, mean, well, I mean, keep in mind, yeah, he came from Alabama. He came from a, a prominent high school before that. You know, the Bengals uh, until this year have been relatively successful while he's been there. They've been a, a perennial playoff team. Going to one thirty-one, you know what? Maybe he would be scared of that. Maybe maybe there's a there, maybe there's a positive out of going right. one thirty-one. Well, I mean, and he's also a guy that told the Senior Bowl no in his hometown. He was a guy that was aggravated that New England was interested in drafting and brought him out for a visit because you don't have an opening for a quarterback. I'm a starter. What am I going to do, wear a baseball hat? I mean, so, you know, maybe his thinking is, well, well yeah, I want to be a starter. But God forbid I'm starting for the 1-31 Cleveland Browns. So, you know, guys, look, a lot's going on here. Look, we can get to free agency next week. We are pretty much official now as to who's in, who's out. So, you know, we can start doing some free agency shows, have a lot of fun with that. Locked on Browns, episode 176. Jeff Risden from Browns Wire, Texans Wire, Real GM Football. Does a fantastic job everywhere. Make sure you're following them. Guys, follow the show at Locked on Browns. It's a follow-back account. I told you guys, you listeners were able to head up the, set up the Mark Sessler interview last evening. If you haven't listened to it yet, but yet, by all means, get on it. Follow the personal Twitter account, at Jeff underscore LJ. Uh, Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm holding my words here, fighting back a little bit of a cold. 
But until tomorrow night, we will get right back at it. Let's go Browns.